All right, gentlemen. Here we are. We are concluding 2022 with our last men's breakfast. It feels weird saying that, but we are going to be jumping into men's breakfast in 2023. We're currently slated to start that first Thursday, which is January 5th. Justin Polly, he will be speaking on that 5th of January. Steve, you're in the room now, so I just did want to say, hey, thanks again. You get up so early to prepare and to get us organized. So, Steve, everything that you do, and I said this to Bobby earlier, um, is just so awesome. So appreciated, and, and thank you so much. So I just want to give a round of applause. It's it's amazing how organized you are and getting everything ready. <laughs> you would not want me in the kitchen organizing anything. All right. We'll kick it off with a, a few announcements, and, and then we'll introduce our, our guest speaker. Eric, would you maybe comment about, you know, what's happening and some of the music programs and so forth? It is my favorite time of the year. The word Emmanuel keeps coming up. I found it on the live. Did you know that there's a county in Georgia called Emmanuel? I did not either until I was driving to church yesterday, which is a terrible thing to do at 530, in case you're wondering. And on my radio was a music Emmanuel, and the guy I was almost running into in front of me, this big truck, you know, those big trucks that get in your way and they go real slow. And on the bottom of it was the, the county was Emmanuel. So um, uh, to celebrate the new church year started this, this last week. So we're having concerts, lots of concerts. And so the church concerts, which do not have tickets this year, are next Friday night. Is it 730? Mm -hmm. And then Sunday, three o'clock. You don't need a ticket. You can't get a ticket. It's that it's that it's that important. You can't even get a ticket in the big building. Uh, for those of you who are, have try and invite someone to this campus. You would not believe the number of times someone shows up at the wrong building thinking they've somehow missed it by the day. In the big building, and the choir is debuting a new piece at the end if we need an encore. Don't tell anybody. So it's a brand new piece. We do have a full orchestra this year. We're doing, I think it's Wind Symphony. <clears throat> Next time I'll be better prepared to give the announcement, but it is a full up concert uh, Friday night at 730 Sunday afternoon at three o'clock. You do not need tickets. Invite everybody and tell them to bring a bus. We would be great to have a problem with the sanctuary. We remember that it will seat 2400 people before we need chairs. It will be an outstanding concert. And so to get kick it off, we're doing the arts and crafts sale. They're expecting 4,500 people between now and I think it's Saturday night. They need volunteers and they need people to come buy arts and crafts. So men, if you've not started your Christmas shopping, you could actually finish that this weekend by going by the arts and crafts store. Go to the Dodd, park someplace in the vicinity, compliment Jason on all the lights that are up around the Dodd. And they're all going to be full of arts and crafts. And so if you've got a little time between now and Saturday to volunteer, 
Um, you can go to RUMC.com and look for the volunteer list, or you can just step by, uh, by the dot right after breakfast and say, Jason, I'd like to come help sometime in the next day or two, and he will put you to work and you will make his Christmas. We are overloaded right now, but we want to see 4,500 people on this campus this weekend and 2,500 people twice on this campus next weekend. And those will be 10,000 folks. That's advanced math, by the way. 25, sorry, now I went to 25,000. Those are Malone numbers. 10,000 people on this campus and tell them the Scout Hut will not be here the next time they are. It's an exciting time to be at Roswell. So thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Eric. Yep. Any other announcements? All right. Well, I'll go ahead and introduce our speaker, Reverend Richard Long. So very excited to have you here today. Richard was born in 1939 in the community of Ben Hill in what was then a rural area of southwest of Atlanta. He was the son of Richard and Clyde Long. He became a member of the Ben Hill Methodist Church at age six. He participated actively in the Scout Troop 203, sponsored by the church, and in the church's Methodist Youth Fellowship, both of which challenged him to grow uh, to growth and achievement. Richard and his future wife, Bertha, served as teachers and MIF counselors for the junior high youth of the church while they were seniors uh, high, um, were senior highs themselves. It was in the context of working with youth that, at the age of 16, he felt his call to become a pastor in the Methodist Church. He was licensed to preach at age 18 and received his first pastoral appointment at age 21. Wow. Richard graduated from the Southwest High School in Atlanta from what was then Georgia State College in 1963 and from Chandler School of Theology at Emory University in 1966. While still a student at Georgia State, Richard was appointed to the 77-member Hyatt Memorial Methodist Church in 1960. Other appointments included the Forsyth Circuit, Six Churches, Hopewell at Tyrone, Chambly First Associate, Wes Wesley Fairview, Cliftondale, Cornelia, Lawrenceville First, Mount Zion Marietta, Thomas Thomaston First, Wesley Chapel and Marietta, and Snellville First as executive pastor. He retired on June 12, 2002, after 43 years. That's right, 43 years of pastoral ministry. Following retirement, he was asked to serve as the interim pastor of the Loudsville UMC for two months in 2004 and of the Cleveland UMC for the conference of 2005 and 2006. And he served as pastor of the South Bend UMC from November 2007 until recently, July 4th, 2021. Richard and, Ber and Bertha celebrated their 49th wedding anniversary, May 2nd, 2007. After a year-long battle, Bertha succumbed to cancer on June 26, 2007. Richard has three sons, two United Methodist ministers, and a police officer, nine grandchildren, and 13 great-grandchildren. That's something else. <laughs> Following Bertha's death in 2007, Richard met and married Beverly Balfour. Balfour, thank you, of Cleveland in 2009. Beverly was, for many years, director of purchasing for the University of North Georgia campus at Dahlonega before retiring at the end of 2021. Beverly has a lovely daughter, Maylin, 
who lives and teaches elementary school in here in Roswell. Beverly has brought great joy to Richard's retirement years. She has been a blessing to his family and a wonderful partner in ministry. After several years together in Cleveland, Georgia, Richard and Beverly made their home over here in Roswell. They very soon became members of our wonderful church here, Roswell United Methodist Church. And also are, are part of the Rejoice Sunday School class, where he serves as one of the teachers. And on September 1st, 2022, Richard accepted a part-time position as an associate pastor here at the church with the focus on membership care. I'd like to introduce Pastor Richard Long. Thank you so much. I uh, tried to help Kevin pronounce Beverly's last maiden name. Uh, her mother lived with us for a while, and her name was Mayadel Bolifer. When I would go to the, to the uh, drugstore to pick up her prescriptions, I always had to write it out so they could get all those syllables together. Um, thank you for the opportunity to speak to you guys this morning. I uh, first came to this uh, meeting two months ago, and I was impressed with a number of you guys who are out this early in the morning um, and uh, with the strength of, of the men's fellowship here. Really appreciate Kevin's leadership and appreciate you being so faithful to be a part of it. Um, let me apologize for being overdressed. Uh, that's a, a product of laziness on my part. This is my day to do hospital visitation and that sort of stuff. So I just dress for the day and uh, rather than come in and have to go back home and change clothes. Um, I'm very much enjoying being a part of the church. We began attending here during the latter part of COVID. Uh, and so we first began attending here by Zoom or by, uh, by computer. And I had pretty well decided on another church before we started following Roswell. But after we started following Roswell Church, we were one here pretty pretty quickly uh, by the preaching and by the music and by just many things about the church, the kind of uh, spirit and missional thrust that the church had. And we have very much enjoyed the opportunity to be a part of you. Um, you're welcome to address me as Reverend Long, or you're certainly welcome to address me as Richard. That's, that's the name I respond to um, most readily. Um, Harry Zane tells about a family she knows who had a great dispute over their expected inheritances following their parents' deaths. Before his death, the father in the family had decided that his wife had Alzheimer's or some kind of dementia, and that she'd be unable to manage his estate following his death. And so he gave authority to settle his estate to two of his three children. I don't know why he chose two instead of three, but two of the three children. Following their father's death, those two children who are now executives of his estate put their mother in a nursing home within the space of two weeks. That's pretty quick. Uh, then they put a lock on the family home and contacted a real estate agent to offer the multi-million dollar house for sale. 
The third child, who was given no voice in those arrangements, had great difficulty proving his mother was actually not demented, and moving her back into the family home, he was finally able also to restore her control of the couple's money, which now, of course, belonged to her. Here it says the net result of all of those shenanigans was that those children never spoke to each other again. Here, of course, an investment counselor who says that that scenario is playing out with increasing frequency with a significant percentage of children and grandchildren fighting for what they believe is their fair share of the inheritance while either one or both aging parents are still living. He says this is happening in part because adult children are not sufficiently saving for their own retirement, and many of them feel entitled to their parents' money. They've lived their lives under the assumption that their inheritance will fund their retirement. Squabbles over inheritance are nothing new, actually. They were occurring in biblical times. In the 13th chapter of his gospel, Luke tells us that as Jesus was preaching in a certain place, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Now, Luke provides us no context for that uh, request. Perhaps the older son had taken a disproportionate share of the family estate, or perhaps he just not yet distributed the assets to his younger brother. But either way, the younger brother was complaining that he could not have the life he wanted unless he received what he thought belonged to him. In response to the man's appeal, Jesus answered, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? He was saying it really was not his business to settle family squabbles. There were courts available to settle those things. But then Jesus offered the man a bit of sage advice. He said, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then for the benefit of those who are listening, Jesus told what we call the parable of the rich fool. The farmer had more produce than he could house in all of his barns. But instead of thanking God for that abundant harvest and sharing the excess that he had, he built bigger barns. And then he took his ease, saying proudly to himself, Sold, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. You've heard that phrase, haven't you? Eat, drink, and be merry. But Jesus said that for all of his success, that man's life never really mattered because at the time of his death, he was not rich toward God. Jesus was telling all who heard him, a life that matters is more than success. Howard O says, I suppose most of us would like to make something of ourselves. There is an urgency inside us to climb every mountain, ford every stream, follow every rainbow until we find our dream. The farmer in Jesus' story was very successful. He no doubt used good <clears throat> methods for his farming. He worked very hard at it, and his work had paid off. He now had quite a lot of stuff. For a while, there was a popular saying, whoever has the most toys when he dies wins. 
And that, I don't hear that so much anymore, but there's still a mindset of many people in our world today. Whoever winds up with the most property, the most money, the highest position is regarded as the winner. But Olds recalls a 1923 meeting of the people who were then regarded as movers and shakers. He says they included the president of the largest steel corporation in America, the greatest wheat speculator in the States, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, the future director of the World Bank for International Settlements, and the head of the world's largest monopoly. Each of those men were regarded as eminently successful. But their success was not enough to make their lives satisfying and socially helpful. By 1930, only seven years later, Charles Schwab died in debt. Arthur Cutter died in obscurity abroad. Richard Whitney became insolvent. Albert Fall was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. Jesse Livermore, Leon Fraser, and Ivor Kruger all committed suicide. Their success did not make their lives matter. Writing to the young pastor Timothy, the apostle Paul said to him, there's great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced their, themselves with many pains. Many people would say that Jimmy Carter was not our most effective president. But most people would say that his life really matters. Well, in 2019, George Bush was said to have a fortune worth 40 million, Barack Obama 70 million, Bill Clinton 80 million, and Donald Trump 1.23 billion. <clears throat> By contrast, Carter's fortune was estimated to be a mere 7 million. Yet throughout his life, before, during, and following his presidency, his life has been a wonderful example of a committed Christian who spends himself on behalf of other people. Some months ago, news accounts showed Carter with 14 stitches in his forehead and a black eye from a fall he suffered a previous Sunday morning. But that same Sunday night, he was at a Habitat for Humanity meeting in Nashville, Tennessee. At an advanced age, he was still engaged in building houses for Habitat. Carter has not only been personally engaged in home building, but has inspired untold others to give their labor in that endeavor. Mm -hmm. He and wife Rosalind were in Nashville on that occasion to provide inspirational leadership for volunteers who would build 21 houses in the poor neighborhood there. Following his presidency, Jimmy and Rosalind formed the Carter Center in Atlanta through which he sought to foster international peace and justice. One of the initiatives um, that they undertook was the eradication of the parasitic guinea worms uh, among third world populations, especially in Africa. A recent article reported that when the program was begun in 1986, 
There were three and a half million reported cases of guinea worm infection. But this year, the report is that those cases are down to six. And Carter told his grandson that his fondest wish is that the last guinea worm would die before he does. <laughs> Carter celebrated his 98th birthday on October 1st of this year, having become the longest living of all our presidents. Though he continues somewhat active, he's no longer able to do many things he could do earlier. I don't see him swinging a hammer like I did a few years ago. He's even had to give up teaching the Sunday school class, which he taught for more than 40 years in Plains. But he still provides moral and spiritual leadership for people from that church and across the world. His life has become one that matters. Jesus was telling those who heard him that a life who matters is not about success. It really is about service. In 1888, Alfred Nobel picked up a newspaper to read the obituary section. And to his surprise, it included his own obituary. <laughs> it seems that his brother had died and the paper thought it was Alfred instead. In the obituary, he was described as the dynamite king a merchant of death, a person who had amassed a great fortune out of explosives, which were used extensively in war. He didn't like what he read there. So he set out to make a better name for himself. Among the many things he started was the sponsorship of the annual Nobel Peace Prize, which still today seeks to honor persons around the world who have championed the cause of peace. Instead of focusing in life on amassing a greater fortune, Nobel began to focus on making a better world. Writing to his younger associate, Timothy, Paul advised, After you, man of God, shun all this quest for riches and things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They have to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The outstanding evangelist D.L. Moody once said, the measure of a man is not how many servants he has, but how many people he serves. And the missionary Albert Schweitzer once said, <coughs> I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who sought and found a way to serve. Novel Stanton used to tell the story about Mark Hatfield, a longtime senator from Oregon, and for many years, chair of the Senate Armed Forces Committee. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said it had been a long day on Capitol Hill for Senator John Stennis on May of 2012. He was looking forward to a bit of relaxation when he got home. After parking the car, he began to walk toward his front door. 
Then it happened. Two people came out of the darkness, robbed him, and shot him twice. News of the shooting of Senator Sinus, the chair of the powerful Armed Forces Committee, shocked Washington and the nation. For nearly seven hours, Senator Stennis was on the operating table at Walter Reed Hospital. Less than two hours later, another politician was driving home when he heard about the shooting. He turned his car around and drove directly to the hospital. In the hospital, he noticed that the staff were swamped and couldn't keep up with the incoming calls about the senator's condition. He spotted an unattended switchboard, sat down, and voluntarily went to work. He continued taking calls until daylight. Sometime during that next day, he stood up, stretched, put on his overcoat, and just before leaving, he introduced himself to the other operator. I'm Mark Hatfield, he said, happy to help. Then Senator Mark Hatfield unobtrusively went out the door. The press, when they learned about it, could hardly handle the story. There seemed no way a conservative Republican uh, to give a liberal Democrat even the tip of the hat let alone spend hours doing menial tasks and be happy to help out. But Mark Hatfield showed greatness through his willingness to serve on that occasion. When Dr. W.A. Criswell, pastor of the largest Southern Baptist church in the world, was preaching in the North Shore Baptist Church in Chicago, he was entertained at the home of Deacon James L. Kraft. Kraft was then the superintendent of the Sunday school in that church and, of course, was the founder of Kraft Foods. Kraft said that as a young man, he had had a desire to be the most famous manufacturer and salesman of cheese in the world. He planned on becoming rich and famous by making and selling cheese, and he began as a young fellow with a little buggy pulled by a pony named Patty. He'd make his cheese, then he'd load his wagon, and he and Patty would drive down the streets of Chicago selling that cheese. But as the months passed, the young crap began to despair because he wasn't making much money, even though he was putting long hours at his work. One day, he pulled his pony to a stop and began to talk to him. He said, Patty, there's something wrong. We're not doing it right. I'm afraid we have things turned around, and our priorities are not where they ought to be. Maybe we ought to serve God and place him first in our lives. He then drove home and made a covenant that for the rest of his life, he would first serve God and then work as God directed. Many years after this, Dr. Criswell heard James Craft say, I'd rather be a layman in the North Shore Baptist Church than to head the greatest corporation in America. My first job is serving Jesus. Abba Hill of Silver tells of a man's life that mattered because of his servanthood. He says, I recall as a boy, a man who lived on one of the most thickly settled streets on the east side of New York City. We children coming and going from school would often see him. He was a little old man with a gray scraggly beard who dealt with coal and ice. He had his place of business in a dark basement underneath a huge tenement. In winter, he sold coal and in the summer, he sold ice. He'd sell coal by the bucket load and would carry those buckets of three and four flights of stairs. In the summer, he'd buy large cakes of ice, cut them into smaller cakes, and carry them up five, six flights of stairs to his customers. He was always bent under a load. In fact, we called him humpback, even though he really, he really was not humpback. 
And it says this little man with a gray, scraggly beard, Jacob the humpback, died quietly like all humble folks as he had lived. Then it says, a few years ago, I learned that because of the labors of Jacob the humpback, one of his sons had become a professor of mathematics at a large university. Another had become a surgeon. And I suddenly asked myself, little man, how big are you? Jacob the humpback had few of the world's goods. His circle of influence was very small. Neither his birth nor his death were considered newsworthy. Yet he launched into the world at least two sons who, like him, were devoted to lives of service. And in so doing, he built a life that really mattered. We can make our lives matter too as we serve people in the name and in the spirit of our God. Amen. Kevin asked me to put out a discussion question at the conclusion of my remarks. So what I'd like to do is suggest that you describe to each other some specific act of service you performed within the last three months that you think made your life matter and tell who benefited and how. Thank you. <coughs> All right, so we'll go with table breakouts here for the next, let's say, um, five minutes, and we'll come back together right at 745. I guess we're a group. We're it. We're three, we're three are gathered and all that sort of thing, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the discussion question? Oh, past three months, something that mattered in our lives. Sorry. We can't hear that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, three months, but recently we, our church sponsored a refugee family. We all helped move them to a condominium type of place. I'll let them know. Hey, gents, so we have you muted. We're going to mute here so you guys can discuss, and then we'll we'll turn it back. Okay, thanks. Okay, there we go. That's good. Now, about three, three or four months ago, we our church sponsored a refugee family. I forget where they're from, but they had been living in a hotel for a month beforehand, and we finally found a du a, not a condominium, duplex, and moved them all in there. And, and it was nice to see the looks on their faces when they they actually had their own home. And uh, it it was it, you don't do that to make yourself feel good, but did feel good that we could actually help someone like like that where are they from i believe afghanistan actually mm, okay they they were in a refugee camp for a long time and then they got sponsored over here and they lived in a hotel for a month or more and then now we finally got their own place and they've got their own car now which i checked over and it's pretty good you know so they should not have to spend any money on the cat 
on, on any of that. So it was good to help them. It really was. I see you got, a, you got a friend there. Yeah, this is my buddy, DC. <laughs> that's not the one that was up there before. No, no, that's, we've got three of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> this guy's, he'll curl up right here and, and he's nice and warm, which in, right now it's about 29 degrees outside. So I'll take it. It looks cold. Yeah. My granddaughter has two cats, Ricky and Bobby. And uh, she and her husband are studying in France right now. Oh. And so the cats are at their home. And so between us and my, and her sister, my other granddaughter and their mother, we are taking care of the cats. Ah. And um, boy, they are happy to see you when you get there. <laughs> you get in the house and they, they will, they will not let you out of their sight. Oh no. And they, one of them's more actively friendly than the other one, but he'll come like nip at your heels and stuff just to get your attention. But they'll, they'll be happy when they're, when their family gets back, I'll tell you that. We, we leave the radio on quietly for them so, so, so they have some interaction. Yeah. Oop, yeah. There he goes. <laughs> we have a dog, so. <laughs> anyway. Well, there's, there's so much need out there, I guess. Um, I mean, we've, we've been active in the church's food program uh, for the last year, probably. And... Um, it was more active when COVID was here because there was a lot more need there seems to be than there is now. Uh, but that's, that's been a good ministry. Jacob does a really good job and, um, and it, that, that's a good ministry for the church. Good outreach. Is that the food pantry? Well, it's the food pantry, but it's also serving all the meals, you know, the lunch program where you could come by and pick up a meal twice a week. Um, and in the Wednesday night dinners and so forth, he just, he does a lot uh, with that kitchen. Is that like, Steve, like Steve doing the breakfast this morning. I mean, there's always, there's always activity in the, in the hospitality um, sector. Is there just the, the, the Monday night drive through is that just once a month now? Um, it's, they're not doing it all right now. Oh. Suspended it until I guess maybe the maybe after the first of the year. Oh, okay. Um, and I guess he'll pick it back up. I don't know. I guess I guess they'll see. Like I say, it it had dropped off. We were doing them Tuesday and Thursday, mm -hmm. and uh, it was like three days a week. And we dropped back to Tuesday and Thursday. And then, um, like I say, after things kind of opened back up, there were less and less customers. So we got mm -hmm. down. We would probably do. I don't know. Maybe. 50 a day or something. And it was over a hundred at the height of COVID. Oh, wow. So, but anyway, it was, it, it, <clears throat> it was a good program. And they, like I said, they do a really good job of uh, feeding the community. Mm -hmm. So how are you, John? Uh, I'm good. I, I get in, got involved in a program and, uh, uh, I've been in a number of different Roswell schools, but right now I'm in Sweet Apple. Uh, and I got into it through through Rotary originally, but uh, uh, it's a program where we we conduct a uh, an after school uh, well, it's a club really, 
that deals with construction skills. Uh, it's an effort to introduce to fifth graders uh, the ability to make things with your hands uh, mm -hmm. along the lines of, of construction. So we start with with uh, just planks of wood and and some plans and go through the process of of uh, fabricating and assembling. And and it's really it's really interesting to see the kids grow throughout the year uh, as you work with them. And and it's just you know I get paid simply by their excitement. Um, and so serving serving that uh, community that is of course you know I, I don't know the background of the kids um, so I don't know which ones have you know uh, robust home life or whatever but uh, it's real interesting to to be a part of an ongoing process that's what I do all right we're going to come back together um i first wanted to just comment to our speaker pastor long and and that message was just so meaningful and and some something that we could absolutely all relate with and really understanding our priorities and and understanding really what our legacy wants to be and and uh that example of the obituary in the newspaper like, wow is this my obituary it certainly makes me think about what priorities i have and who is the priority and our actions and that servant leadership that you spoke about is is so so important so so applicable in that message and, and thank you so much so what we'll uh report out as we normally do so I'll go around go around to each table um we're going to report out and then I'll couple that with any additional prayers or praises that um, that you'd like to like to add. So maybe I'll just start in the the back corner, and then we'll go around the room, and then um, online. Uh, Eric, I'm calling on somebody else. All right. Maybe I need to get back up here. Sorry. <laughs> it, um, anything else from the table you'd like to share? Okay. Um, over here in the, the front right. Buddy. Jim. Okay. Jay. Uh, yeah. Uh, we had a couple instances. We have uh, Bobby here who helped out with funerals. And uh, he says it's just amazing that someone shows up and communicates with the grief stricken how much that means to them. Um, he also helps out in the kitchen here. Uh, Jim had an incident where a lady in the neighborhood recently was robbed. She's Asian and couldn't communicate to the police. So he actually spent a lot of time with her and in the house helping her and the follow up. Uh, I don't know how many hours she put in there. 
And and Jay Jay here's got a grandson who's got some speech impediment. He spends a lot of time with, with his grandson. And uh, my wife and I have some friends in Cincinnati who are both very sick, and we ended up flying up there to care for them for a couple of days, and then came back to yeah, just this week in fact. So that's what we got. Thanks for sharing that. Up front, Dave. <laughs> we started out, Dave talks about coaching softball for his daughter's team. Gordon talks about helping in several different ways. I told him the story about updating my Air Force pilot training classes database and finding that we had 70 deaths we didn't know about mm -hmm. out of our group of nearly 400 people. A long work and then Larry's a full worker for part of the year and he also works in, in the food bank up in, in Cherokee County. Paul's in a singing group that has been to one of the uh, assisted living places helping him serve there. Wonderful. In the back. Any further? <laughs> Richard's on the spot. And I have had the privilege of working with the Mighty Mentees program with tutoring uh, elementary school students. Um, most of them are Hispanic, has some language issues. As, we just have four kids, but I think that would make a difference in their life just to spend more time with them and let them know we care about It's wonderful. I'll go in the back corner. Jay, Jim, Steve. Well, we had a couple, couple of people speak up. Uh, people are volunteering and, and to do things that uh, you don't know what the end result's going to be. Mm -hmm. kind of spend a lot of time and energy with uh, with good hope that things are going to come out the way they're supposed to be. Thomas Project is one that was drafted into helping with the normal fundraiser for annual offering. So that's a challenge. And uh, so far, so good. There'll be a lot of people that will benefit from it. But uh, as it's going along, you really don't know how it's going to go. Incidentally, the comments should break down on January 2nd. Be a big milestone. One we've been looking forward to. There's a big difference between a millstone and a milestone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about online? Who would, who would like to speak up? David? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we talked about it. Uh, Bill Griffin has been working with the kitchen in uh, preparing meals. And uh, John Ross works uh, in an after-school program with fifth graders, uh, teaching them about building uh, and construction. And uh, Bob Housecamp, his church uh, has helped a refugee family settle into a, a new place of their own. 
And uh, my wife, Norma, and I, uh, at the 1115 service, were greeters at the east gate or the east entrance uh, where the people with mobility issues uh, are dropped off and picked up. And we find that uh, really fun to talk with them. Unfortunately, one of our favorite guys who was in a wheelchair uh, passed away uh, a few weeks ago. But anyway, we, we enjoy doing that. Well, that's wonderful. And um, so many great examples of, of volunteering and um, appreciate everyone sharing that. And it certainly, I would say, doesn't go unnoticed. I identify it. I see so many of you being great role models for me and examples of where I hope to do some of the same volunteer activities. I know there's other people in the church. My wife and I talk about that. Um, Pastor, maybe if I can have you speak, come up here for a closing prayer, and then I'll just report out here just for the discussion that Gene and I had uh, up front and really like to just to brag on Gene just for a moment here and in all the kind of different ways and that we've been blessed and all the resources that have been available to us. One of the things or one of the many things that, that Gene does is his random acts of kindness of just going through the grocery lines and paying for the groceries of someone in line, um, maybe behind or in front, identifying, you know, the right people and, and paying it forward. Um, also, when he goes out to dinner, he uh, pays for meals of, of other families. And, and what I thought was just, again, so um, courageous and amazing is it's anonymously. So it's not self-serving to say, hey, I paid your dinner. He does it anonymously. So certainly a great example, Gene. And thanks for sharing that. All right. So we're wrapping up here. Um, close us out today for, for 2022. Uh, Pastor Long, if you could come up here and close our men's breakfast out for a closing prayer. Thank you so much. And if you can't see, you have to look in real close here. The tie is just wonderful. Jesus is the reason for the season. So that's awesome. <laughs> That comes from having a wife. <laughs> Thank you for the honor of speaking to you this morning, and I look forward to meeting with you again through the, through the months. So thank you, Kevin. Uh, let us pray. Father, we're here because we have come to know your love in our lives, and we've experienced much of that through the other men who are present here this morning. Thank you for them. Thank you for their commitment to you and to the church and to each other. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name and to fellowship and to grow closer to one another, to encourage and strengthen one another. Thank you for Kevin's leadership. Thank you for those who provide our meals for us in the mornings. And uh, just thank you for the opportunities for fellowship around the table. We thank you for those who have been mentors for us across the years. Those um, for whom their lives have mattered for us and have inspired us to live lives that matter. Guide us as we make decisions, as we invest ourselves each day so that we will be investing in those things that matter for those around us and for your kingdom's sake. Bless each of the men here this morning. Bless them as they proceed through the Christmas season. 
uh, cause the spirit of Christ to be born afresh and anew in each of us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Long. Really appreciate that. All right. Merry Christmas. See you in 2023. Okay. Woohoo. Yeah. I talk to you guys. See you, everybody.